On this edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, presented by Kia, Dante Marcatelli and George Galante catch up with former Magic player, former 13-year NBA veteran. He's done it all. D. Brown, he's coached in the WNBA. He's coached in the D-League. He's worked in the front office in the G-League. He's worked in NBA front offices. So, so much to cover with D. Brown. But he started his career in Boston as a member of the Celtics, playing alongside their big three, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. So we get some great stories from there. Remember, D. Brown was the 1991 slam dunk champion. So we cover that. He also judged this past slam dunk contest here in Atlanta, the 2020 NBA All-Star Weekend. So we'll get his comments on that. And also what he's up to now, what lies ahead for former NBA great D. Brown. Lots to get to, lots of terrific stories with D. Brown on this edition of Magic Pod Squad presented by Kia. And welcome, everyone, to this edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Dante Marcatelli, George Galante here. And this podcast is brought to you by Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. And we are pleased to be joined by none other than D. Brown, 12-year NBA veteran. Of course, a couple of those years right here in City Beautiful. But, D., you've done so much more than playing. The NBA was just the tip of the iceberg. You've been nonstop <laughs> since then. Uh, you've accomplished yeah. so much in your career and George and I are still in the same exact capacity. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I've that's not a good done thing. Different that's what things. I'm saying. No, no. You're consistent. You're where you're right. supposed to be. They love you there. Well, maybe you, maybe know. not George, but, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and you know, like I've been in so many different roles and went from obviously playing to coaching WNBA, coaching in the back then the D league, going to be assistant coaches for numerous teams you know, the last five years I've, I've been in the front office of LA Clippers, uh, you know, chasing my daughter around, who's a WNBA player, you know, so it's, it's been fun. Uh, very, very busy, uh, but I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed every minute of it. You know, my 31st year in the NBA, you know, part of professional sports. So time goes by fast, boy. And it's, it's, it's listen, it's I've learned a lot, been around a lot of great people. Of course, you two guys are always very, very great to me. And, 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 and we had some, you know, you know, great, uh, you know, stories and, and time yes. together. So I, I definitely enjoy my time uh, with the Magic family. Well, I remember being in Boston when we drafted this young guy out of Jacksonville University, burst onto the scene, right? It was 1990. Dante, did, did you, you know where, did you know where Jacksonville University was? when? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just want to make sure Dante knew where Jack, you know, there wasn't, yeah. there was a lot of, it wasn't Jacksonville State. Right. Yeah. It wasn't Jacksonville State. State. Yeah. It wasn't Jacksonville State, which I'm sure is a yeah. sore spot for a lot of you guys. Yeah. In Jacksonville, right? <laughs> yes, it but is. Well, I tell you what, we didn't know a lot then. We didn't know a lot right. then. You didn't have, you couldn't Google it. You couldn't do all that stuff, but we learned quickly. I mean, he burst onto the NBA scene there in Boston. That was so much fun for me uh, to get to see that. And I mean, that must've been, here you are coming from Jacksonville, and then you're playing with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. I mean, and that had to have been quite a change for you, and in, in, in the big and in a big city like that. No, it was it was great. It's the first time I ever left home. Like really, literally, yeah. I high school in Jacksonville, college in Jacksonville, and the first time I went up, you know, I really left and and, and lived on my own without being at arm's distance from my my family and my parents is when I got drafted by the Celtics. It was the first time I was in a snowstorm had to deal with driving in the snow. So it's so many right. great memories of just, obviously you said, you know, playing with the big three, 
playing in a, you know, the old Boston Garden, being around Red Arbach and all those great legends that were there almost every day of practice. I mean, there are days at practice where there'd be at least 12 Hall of Famers just sitting on the sideline watching you like like the like the mob. Like, you know, you had Red <laughs> Arbach, you know, Sam Jones, Casey Jones, Zach wow. Sanders, you know, Tommy Heinsohn, Bob Cousy, all those guys every day at practice watching you. Uh, on top of playing with, you know, three of the best players ever played a game. So, uh, you know, it was great. I was there for eight years, uh, was captain for, for, for four of those years. So for me to even be putting that sentence of being captain of a, 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 a great franchise and yeah. 17, you know, NBA champion uh, winner, uh, you know, it's just something in your career that you, you never, you never forget. Uh, but, you know, again, it's just so much like it's, the world so small, the guy that I, the reason why I went to Jacksonville University for two reasons. I want to stay home. I wasn't highly recruited. So I had really no offers. The other reason was because of a guy that we all know, Otis Smith. Like yeah. Otis was like the biggest basketball player to come out of basketball uh, uh, out of Jacksonville. And that was the guy I looked up to being in Jacksonville. He went to high school there. So when Otis was at Jacksonville and I saw him was so successful, I was like, man, I want to go to JU too. Because a local guy did well, you know, and, and you know, Otis was a guy that I'm still really good friends with, got a chance to know him. And he obviously, he worked for the Magic for a long time, played for the Magic, um, was, you know, was GM at, at one point. So he's a guy that I kind of, you know, followed for a long period of time, uh, being like a mentor, a guy that I looked up to. So, again, the, you know, not a lot of people know about Jacksonville University, but, you know, you had two guys that's from Jacksonville that went to Jacksonville yeah. University, myself, Otis Smith that has some really close ties to the Orlando magic. No question. What is that? What is that? It's hard enough to go from, you know, Jacksonville university to the NBA, in right. general, but then to mm-hmm. go to a team that was so storied and had so many, like you said, so many hall of famers that, that had, right. to, that had to be, who, who helped you through that? Or did those guys kind of bring you along? I, I have to imagine they were pretty set in their ways at that point. Yeah. You know, the, the, remember in the nineties, the league was, you know, the old league and the old league. I mean, your veteran guys were 26, 27. You had obviously the big three who were like, you know, later stages of their career, but they were still all-stars. We're still one of the best teams in the league, but you had guys like obviously Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson, Patrick Ewan, David Robb. Like you had all these veteran guys who were older established guys. So when I got there, it was, it was a no brainer because I was the youngest guy on the team. I was a rookie. Uh, playing with all these with all these superstar Hall of Fame players. And they just taught me the ropes. Larry Bird was a guy that taught me how to be early, you know, be the first one in the gym, be the hardest worker, you know, just go out there and do your job uh, and play at a, at a fierceness and, and understand and learn the game. Kevin McHale taught me how to have fun with the game. He was the jokester of the group. You know, he, he would love to tell jokes, love to do pranks on people. And Rob Parrish is like my big brother. He kind of taught me the 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 kind of the off the court, what not to do, where not to go, you know, who to hang out with type of person. So I had three veteran guys that gave me three different type of uh, of growth patterns. Um, and I needed all three. And it's very rare you get, you know, all three uh, as a rookie um, with the same organization without having, you know, to trip up and fall or, make a mistake and, you know, all of a sudden learn the hard way. You know, it's interesting. He was friends with those three. We're friends with Andrew Monaco. 
right? That's how- <laughs> <laughs> and hold on again. Here's another short story. Another- I know McConaughey when I was a head coach uh, in San Antonio with the G, uh, the WNBA. Of course, in Orlando yeah, I've known, too. I've known. Oh, no, yeah. he's great. So it's, you it's, sure it's, have. It's crazy. Like it's, it's it's the people that you know and you run into yeah. that still are part of, of 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 the NBA and doing things. I mean, they're great people. I love. Well, Andrew's I got. You no, know, he totally is. You're absolutely right. I got to know this. So you get there's so many Larry Bird stories that are out there. D, what are your what are your go to ones? What are some of your favorite oh, man. Larry Bird stories that you can tell? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got so many of them. I'm sure a lot of people have heard a lot of the, the like they're just a, you know the the, the 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 trash talking stories. Right. Um, I think the best the best one that I can say without it you know for all listeners on the air that, <laughs> that's, that's really good. Is we were playing in the playoffs, and it's my rookie year, and we were playing against Detroit Pistons. At the time, the bad boys, they still were the champions. They were the two-time defending champions, and we had a really good team. Like, we are you know, at all-star break, we had the best record in the league. So our, our coaching staff, the year I won the slam dunk contest, our coaching staff was all-star coaches. So we were, like, one of the best teams. We had a chance to win a championship that year, and I was a rookie playing on this team. I had start, uh, got back into the starting lineup as, as the year went on. So my first series was against Indiana Pacers. It was growing experience. You know, uh, I learned the second round was against the Pistons, the bad boys. And I just remember the first three games of the series, I was practically wide open the whole game. I would throw the ball to Larry. They'll go double. Isaiah Thomas will go double. I'll throw the ball to Reggie Lewis. They'll go double. I, you know, I, I was averaging 18 points a game my rookie year against the world champions. So I remember this game. So Larry was, he wasn't getting upset because, you know, Larry's a competitor. So I'm open the whole time. So Larry said, D, this is what I need you to do. I'm we're sitting in the hollow. This is, this is doing the playoffs. <laughs> D, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go tell Isaiah Thomas to stop doubling me when you pass the ball. You know, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. I'll laugh. No, he goes, D, I'm serious. He takes my hand, walks me to their huddle. Their huddle. <laughs> Chuck, De- Chuck Downey's the coach. You right. know, we all know Chuck and love Chuck. Rest his yep. soul. He's a great, great man. Chuck Gell is a coach. We walked to, he walked to the huddle. He goes, D, tell, tell Isaiah what I just told you. <laughs> he goes, you're serious? I go, uh, Isaiah Larry told me to tell you to stop doubling him because he wants to get some shots too. The whole bench started laughing. They, they cracked oh, up. My you, know, you know, this is the middle of a playoff series. You know, the bad boys, they're laughing. Yeah, right, they're, right, trying right. To, they're trying to knock your teeth out. Right, so sure. Dumar's laughing, Robin's laughing, John Sass laughing, Bill Lambert's laughing. I think Chuck Gelly rolled on the floor. He laughed so hard because <laughs> you got this Ricky going to Isaiah Thomas saying this was and Larry they got they got to kick that out of it because I was a Ricky. Awesome. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm nervous as heck in, in the game, period. I'm just trying to make sure I don't make a mistake. He tells me to go tell Isaiah Thomas Isaiah. that he wants some shots to stop doubling me. Uh, and, uh, That's like, fantastic. That, was, that was classic Larry. That was classic Larry. Like he was, you know, he, he had uh, some great lines. I've heard him tell people on the floor, you know, uh, but that was one that particularly for me, I, I, I was like, are you, are you serious? Right. You really oh, serious. That's <laughs> fantastic. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I remember Nick Nick started, Nick, Nick started the first time he played Larry. He remembers Larry saying, Hey, nice to meet you. He goes, Congrats. He goes, I guess you'll be guarding me tonight. He goes, Your your mom's not watching tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you hear that? Would he say, I mean, he would just oh, he'd trash yeah. talk the whole oh, time, right? Oh, That's crazy. oh yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I've seen him say things and, and listen, he wasn't a cursor. Like, he didn't right. curse at players. He just talked trash. You know, like, you know, 
that make it better? Did that make it? Did that make it more effective that he wasn't even cursing at you? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, I think that's what. Yeah, like he didn't have to scream and 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 use profanities. He just said things that you would think a player would say to another pro. Like I, I'm, a, I'm out here just like you, but you're. I know you're Larry Bird, you know. But he would say things that get you like, this dude's a real deal. Like, like, hey, you you can't have. You can't have another white guy guarding me. You crazy? I'm the baddest white guy on the planet. You better put a brother on me. Like, really? He told yeah, that to a bench one time. He said, you can't put, you got a white guy on me? I'm the baddest white guy on the planet. You better put a brother on me. I was like, wow. And guess oh, what? No. They did. They, they did. brother on him because he was killing whoever, I forgot who it was, but he was killing whoever was guarding him at that time. So oh, those kind of things, like, that's it's fantastic. And people, and he's just, he was great. Like, he was, he was an unbelievable guy to play with. I learned so much from playing with a guy like that. I, you know, listen, I've heard some trash talkers in my day between him and, you know, Reggie Miller and, you know, Gary Payton, who's in my draft class, but there he topped it all just because of the level he was at and he never stopped. He never stopped. That's amazing. That 1991 slam dunk contest, D, could, could you have imagined what that would have done for you? Really? I mean, I know you went into it excited oh, and, and you stole the yeah. show. You're going against the rain, man. You do the Reebok pumps. I mean, everything mm -hmm. that came out of that. Could you have imagined what would come out of that for you? Oh, no, because 30 years, that was 30 years ago. And, you know, the shoe that I wore during a contest just came back out, sold out just in like 30 minutes. Out. Yeah, yeah really. sold out in 30 minutes. Yeah, like you can't get them anywhere. Um, so 30 years later, you still talk about pumping up the shoes, the, the no-look dunk. You know, you know, it, I mean, it's amazing that, 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 that image is iconic. We still talk about it. I could be anywhere and people, you know, bend down. A, they don't, they can have, they can have penny loafers on. They're pump, <laughs> bend down and pump those up. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, <laughs> right. just because That's of the action, they don't have to rebound pumps on. They just want to show that motion that I did. And it, it makes you feel good. Like you did something that was lasting, you know, I get, you know, people will see me like, man, I remember that. And, I want to go out and buy a pair of Reebok punks. I thought it would help me dunk higher and jump higher and, yeah, and, right. and do dunks. And I tried this dunk. Now, you know, you have these younger, not younger NBA guys, but guys who are like the veteran guys that kind of grew up watching you play that still talk about that. Man, I remember trying to dunk when I was younger and, and I couldn't do it on a 10-foot basket. So it, it, it's great. Like I never yeah. thought that we would still be talking about that 30 years later when I got into that contest and what I did because it was so spontaneous. Um, and it was just, it was, just, it was, it was great. And, you know, now generational wise, like my daughter, yeah. Lexi, who plays in the WNBA signed a Reebok contract, you know, so she's a Reebok athlete and she'll Amazing. wear the shoes Not, you know, she'll have her, her own custom shoe during the season, maybe not the pumps because she wore them the other day when she was working. I said, dang, dad, these are heavy. I don't know how you, <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I don't know how you play these shoes. These things are heavy oh, compared to the good. shoes that people are playing now. So it, it was funny, but she's like, oh, no, I'm going to play in them, but man, these are a lot heavier than the shoes I remember playing in, so it was just funny. Yeah, I was in high school. I was in high school, George. George, I was in high school. I had my D. Brown shirt on, and he's yeah, doing this, see? right? And I did a signing with Robert Parrish, and I sat oh. down next to him. I'm scared out of my mind. I'm about to meet the chief, right? Oh, I sit down yeah. there. He never looked at me. He never yeah. moved his mouth. He said, I told him to do that dunk. <laughs> He's lying. He's lying. Hold on. Let me, me tell you something funny about that. I just talked to Robert two days ago. Did I you? I just talked to Robert. And this was the first thing he says. 
you still love it off that 91? Like, you know, because I'm like, dude, this like, the first thing you gonna say to me, like, hey D, how you doing? You still living off that 91? Great. I'm like, oh my goodness, dude, you ain't changed in 30 years. Like really, but he's still the same. Chief. Still the oh, same. That's chief. fantastic. Yeah. That's great. So how how spontaneous was that though? D? like, did you just come up with that on the spot, or was that a conversation that you had with somebody? You know, because we've been now privy to a couple of guys that have been in the dunk contest and they they practice this, they practice that. Right. right. What I'm going to do here. Tell, tell us. Tell us. Go back in time. Was that something you had talked with those? You know, maybe even the Reebok people about, or did you right. just you know you just decided this is what I'm going to do? The Reebok people didn't have a clue I was going to pump my shoes out. I had one conversation with my, you know, every person has like a person, they're a person with a shoe company. And lady name was Joanne Borzaki. And she was a Reebok, you know, basically my marketing representative. And we talked about it. Like, I don't know if I want to do this. It might, I, I got to get the crowd behind me. She's like, why don't you do it? You know, we won't say anything to anybody. You know, I was like, eh. so I went back and forth. I really sure wasn't going to do it. Um, and then once I got there, and the crowd was there. I said, I got to do something really to hype the crowd up. And the Reebok people had no clue. Like the higher-ups, no clue. Just me and her knew I was going to do that. As far as the dunk, you know, back then you had to have a lot of dunks. Um, so I had a lot of dunks uh, in my repertoire. Uh, you had to have like eight dunks to win. The no look, I never did that dunk. I had to make it up. The reason why I had to make it up at that time, you can't – in the contest back then, you couldn't use props. Right. So we couldn't jump over people. You couldn't jump over chairs. You couldn't pull up, you know, cars out there. <laughs> and you can have things in your hand. So initially, if, if you look back, I got an old video on my Instagram showing me practice dunk where I basically I was going to have a Reebok hat on, jump, tip the, the, the hat to the crowd, and then do like a windmill. So oh do something with, with a hat. So <laughs> once they told me, so I'm sitting there with the hat. They go, hey, you can't have props. Oh my goodness, like, what am I going to Oh, I got, I got, I got to bring another dunk. I got to, and I wanted to do a signature dunk. You know, I remember the dunk contest watch when I was younger. You had the Michael Jordan free throw line, the Dominique windmill, sure. you know, that people remember. So I said, I got to do something that nobody, that nobody's ever done before and people will remember me by. So this is all happening between sitting on that box, getting the ball and running to the basket. Okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I could do it between my legs but I wasn't really confident enough to do it. I never really practiced it. So I'll jump and I said, you know, I'm just gonna close my eyes. And I said, I don't know, if, this is all going on in a five you second span. Got to be <laughs> kidding. That's a lot. Like, That's like, a lot like all this is going on. Like <laughs> no I'm processing way. like a computer, all these different things I'm gonna do while I'm running from the box with the ball to the basket. So I'm gonna close my eyes. And I said, nobody, nobody's gonna see, my eyes are closed, so I'm gonna put my hand. So basically it turned from closing my eyes to put my hand to just, you know, automatically my arms just kept moving. That I wanted to make sure nobody saw, knew, nobody knew that I saw the basket. So that's how the dunk, that's how, that's how the dunk became. That's crazy. You, you know, never tried that just, before? You never did that before? Never, never did jumped it before. Up and tried. I had never had a clue. Never had, had a clue like that, that dunk. I made it up right on the spot. I'm glad I made it. You know, yes, we, right, we right, right. About the, you, remember, you remember that kid D Brown that hit the side of the backboard? <laughs> you know, because he missed it. You know, like well, wasn't so, it wasn't it your guy Otis? Didn't he lay it in during the dunk contest? Yeah, no, that, yeah. Was <laughs> that was Daryl. That was Daryl. No, that oh, was Daryl. That was Daryl. Like the, yeah. the layup contest. Daryl made a sweet layup, <laughs> sweet layup in the dunk contest. A, yeah, yeah I remember that. Brutal. I killed him on that one too. I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing out there? Did your like, rebound rep get promoted? Did she get promoted? I would think so. Yeah, she yeah, she was like, yeah, she became like the 
like one of the first females vice president of Reebok. Like, yeah. And she was there for a long time and she was great. And, uh, I still talk to her. Like we're still close friends. She's close friends with the family. She's like, you know, like a, like a sister to me. So, you know, that was something well, that, I'm, you know, we, I'm we sure you heard from it. a lot of higher ups at that point. After, uh, yeah. Joe Reebok is calling every other day. I get, yeah. Hey Joe uh, Reebok. How's it going? Yeah. yeah. Now, well, the crazy part is I already had a Reebok contract, but that's listen, 30 years later, Lifetime, yeah, oh, lifetime deal, oh, lifetime deal. Yeah, I like George and I have with Hostess cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, D. So, D. I got. So then you go back to the All Star Game uh, this past week or the, this yeah. year, right? A couple, a couple yeah. of months yeah. ago. And uh, yeah. how how cool was that? Being in Atlanta, you're a judge. You're there with Dominique yeah. Wilkins, Spud Webb, other former winners, right? Yeah. So with Atlanta ties, that must have been different without all the fans in there and all the usual yeah. fanfare. But it still must have been cool for you. It was, it was great. It was a, it was a third time I, I judged a dunk contest. Um, the first time it was funny. The first time I judged a dunk contest, it was in Atlanta and I was working for the magic. Cause I remember I was in the front office and it was to me, that panel was the best panel I've ever been on. It was me, Julia Servin, Dominique, Spud and Jordan. Wow. That was the yeah, judge. Pretty good. That's a pretty good, good I mean, that's it was pretty good those four guys and me. Wow. Yeah, that was a pretty right. five. Uh, Charlotte was a few years ago, and I was there because that's where I won the dunk contest at. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's why right. I was in Charlotte. And that was a good one, too, as well. But the one, the recent one in Atlanta, again, the atmosphere was different. We wasn't on the floor. Like, we were up in the stands because of, you know, obviously the COVID well, and being around the, around the players. So our angles were bad. I, yeah. yeah. I thought I was going to see you because I was there with, with Nikola Vucevic and I said, yeah, oh, right. I'll see you tomorrow. And I yeah. didn't realize that I wasn't going to see you tomorrow. <laughs> you were on a platform somewhere. Right. And I, well, and I, I, I at least thought, at least thought at least for the contest. I mean, we, we had COVID tests, we had all this stuff. So we're there sure. uh, because sure. we got cleared, you know, obviously uh, with, with all the COVID testing. So I thought you got to put it, at least put this judges, pull a table and put the judges on the floor so we can get a better view. So, you know, judging it was a little different because a lot of our our initial views came off the off the monitor, you know. So because we couldn't really get a good look at it because the angles were bad, we're basically behind the basket. So people were like, oh man, that Cassius Stanley dunk, you missed what he did. I go, no, we saw it, but it, it was on the video. Like we were watching yeah, the same right. replays as everybody else was watching. So, uh, and it was so quick. You know, it was halftime. It was three players. You know, you didn't get the commentary. Right. Listen, it was great. It was fun being there, being a part of all of the All Star uh, event. Um, but again, it was it was different. But again, to, just to be a judge and people like, hey, come and judge it. It's always it's always a great honor. Always a great honor. You know, D. I think about you know you we got the women's NCAA tournament going. We got the men as well, which that was a foul last night, by the way. Uh, that yeah, it was that. a foul. It right. Was a no <laughs> question. Yeah. Carrington should be at the free throw line. But you've been an advocate for female athletes for years, mm. really, really for a number mm. for a couple of decades. You've been coaching in the, you know, in, in the WNBA. Your daughter now plays in the WNBA female yeah. AAU teams, right? I mean, yeah. just how, how impressed are you, you know, by by the by the female athlete overall, how hard they work and and now are are, are we starting to get there? Are, are they starting to get the recognition they deserve? Yeah, I think the growth has been unbelievable. And you know, listen. The, the best coaching job I've ever had was coaching the women's WNBA team. It was Orlando Miracle in Orlando. Yep. It was the first coach job I ever had. It was unbelievable. I learned so much. 
and I, that gave me the passion to, to teach. I love to teach, and just to watch the growth uh, of, of just the different sports and, and women's sports. And then now all of a sudden, you know, they're on, you know, see the games on TV all the time. Just you know, obviously st- all the social media presence that that all these women have. The voices, you know, uh, you know, my daughter's yeah. really big uh, with everything going on in the, her bubble. They they wobble. They had down down in the IMG, right. uh, they, you know, Brianna Taylor and say my name campaign, all that stuff. She's really big on that. My daughter, you know, she's grown up to be an advocate for a lot of things and she's got her own voice. Uh, and I'm, and I'm proud of for that. And just to see just the different people, uh, you know, to see people like Candace Parker, you know, yeah. be on TV and chop it up with the NBA players and really, really good. She's really right. good at it. You know? good. That right. kind of thing to me is, is, is the growth. Uh, I hate performative stuff. Hey, this, throw a female a bone here, bone there. I, I think you see the growth in, in industries in front office in, you know, so those kind of things to me is important. Real change, not, Hey, you know, we're going to, you know, you know, throw uh, you on a commercial here and, you know, you could be in the background You're really leading the way on a lot of social issues. Um, um, be able to have a voice where you can kind of express what you want to say about sports, about politics, whatever it is. I've seen it grow and to see all these NBA players, and other players watching games and have an input to yes. have feel like LeBron James tweet. That was a foul, you know? Yes. Or, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or Renee Montgomery and all of a sudden going from player to owner of a, a WNBA team. Like to me, that's true progress. When all of a sudden you have a vested interest in something that you help build. Have you ever thought about jumping back into the WNBA, D? I mean, you're so you were so heavily involved yeah, right. years ago, and then now, obviously, with Lexi there, and and I don't know if there are any other Browns going to be going to be coming back, <laughs> uh, soon because no, I, yeah, I know they're all involved man. with something. But yes, um, they are. Have you have you have you thought about that at all? I, I thought about it a little bit. Uh, I think the only reason why is because I, I definitely want to give Lexi her space. I don't want <laughs> to be involved. You don't want to go coach the Lynx. <laughs> no, 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 you know, and I, I, I've thought about it because I, I enjoy it so much, you know, I've had opportunities to maybe join, you know, front office positions in WNBA and uh, I, I just kind of wanted to keep that separate from like what Lexi was doing. Um, that's more than anything, not because of the lack of passion, you know, uh, or, or just the much love I have for the WNBA and, and all their players, you know, uh, I enjoy the game as much as any game. Uh, to watch or to be involved with, you know, I don't think there's a, like my, my daughter, who's a freshman who plays basketball at William and Mary. She, I don't think she wants to play the next level. I think she's kind of, you know, she's, I don't think I want to play daddy. I seen how much work Lexi got to do. That's too hard. Like, you know, like, yeah, right. but, she, but, <laughs> but she's smart. She's at William and Mary. Yeah. She's, she's like very, very smart. So she understands where she wants to be. So I, Listen, whatever she wants to do, I'm gonna support her 100. percent So, um, but I'm just happy that you know the family's just part of sports. You know, sports is yeah. such a a a a a, a, uh, a a bridge and a gap to so many things uh, and conversations. I always tell my daughters, I tell my son this, my youngest son, Anakin, um, who's a ninth grader now. Like, hey, one thing I know with, with sports and a lot of sports is basketball. Basketball, it. it so especially it's, it's colorblind and gender free. Like you can, mm-hmm. but the ball doesn't care if you're a woman, if you, if you're a boy or a girl, if you know, whatever you're, whatever you are, 
the, if you take care of the game, it'll take care of you. And I think, you know, that's something I've always prided myself on telling my kids or, or just, you know, kids around the world who learn about, who want to, you know, play a sport, you know, sports is always that connector to people uh, where we just kind of put our differences aside and, 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 you know, want to love help and compete against each other. That's a great point. You think about the people you met in, in your life, D right through because mm -hmm. of an orange basketball. Yes. Does that, does that, does that surprise you? I mean, I, I, Oh, I don't, I've, I've been, I've been to 20 countries because of basketball. I've yeah, spoken right. Asia, Australia, Tokyo, you know, I've played games in London. I've played games in, right. you know, like, you know, played in obviously in Toronto, obviously, you know, being sure, part right. of the Toronto Raptors. I've been to Mexico and play, like I've been so many places because of around basketball, because of an orange ball that gave me an opportunity to talk, showcase my skills, educate people, uh, you know, see different parts of the world. You know, I went to the Philippines. And it's funny, it's three things like there's big in, in, in Philippines. Boxing, yep. music, <laughs> and basketball. And <laughs> it's not really in that order. Like basketball is number is almost number one. I mean, you wow. can look at Pacquiao. Pacquiao loves to play basketball. Yeah, you know, true. Right, right. Know, and, and I went over there, they told me in the Philippines, there's more basketball hoops in the Philippines per square mile than any place in the world. Wow. It's crazy. These are basketball hoops everywhere in the Philippines. So for me to go over there and see all these kids playing basketball, yeah. you know, because they love it. And me to be able to talk to them and do a camp over there, you know, like, no, there, there, there's nothing you can say that basketball hasn't given me and my family that I'm not truly appreciative of. You know, I think about this. I, I got your George has got a daughter. I got two daughters, right? My, mm -hmm. my daughters are six and seven. And I coached them, you know, they started, they played basketball for the first yeah. time and kid doesn't pass it to her and I'm angry and I'm like, <laughs> right. And I'm protective and I'll take the kid yeah. out. You know, if he doesn't, right, win, I'll right. take him out. You know, right. Does that ever go away? Lexi's 26 in her third yeah. season in the WNBA. Yeah. Does, yeah. That, does that go away? How do you watch the game when you're, when your kids are, I'll playing? try to watch it. I'll try to watch it as a dad. Like I kind of, yeah. once I stopped coaching her when she was probably 12, 13 years old, I said, listen, I will still train you. We'll get work yeah. off the court. That's something I know I can keep doing and train you because there's, there's, there's no minutes. There's no playing time. I'm not worrying about, you know, the wins and losses. I'm worried about you getting better. So we can translate that onto the court. Um, and I've made a promise to her. I said, once I'm done coaching you, I'm going to come to the game as a dad. I'm going to support oh, you. Cool. I'm going to yell at yeah. But after the game, it's different. I'm going to tell <laughs> yeah. you the truth. Now the coaching <laughs> hat goes back okay. on. There you I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And, you know, we're going to, you know, look at film. We're going to break it down. And I did that when she was at Maryland. I did that when she said Duke, when she transferred to Duke. Um, and then obviously her in the WNBA, you know, I just want I just want to go to the games and let her, I know, I support her as a dad. Not, not that I'm not taking any notes and I'm not writing stuff down <laughs> right. in my phone and saying, hey, right. you know, after the game. But I understood as a, as a player, like, listen, my dad was, you know, he didn't play college basketball. He played basketball. You know, he didn't go to the pros. But when I played, even as an NBA player, my dad was still calling me like, hey, I saw the game. Why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? I'm like, man, like I'm 30 years old. You still you still talk about the game like this? So I appreciate that part. Sure. Uh, that hopefully I can give that same respect and courtesy to my to my to my kids, you know, when I'm not coaching them.
Just know your kids are saying that too behind your back too. When when now. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. Like, okay, man, watch the game. Did you come to sure. the game? I'm like, nope. Like, good. Like, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> you really, know, you don't like, want your dad? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's 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 amazing because, you know, when Kobe passed away and got in that, that horrendous accident with the, the other people and his daughter, I felt a hole in my heart because the hole I felt because I went through the girl dad thing mm-hmm. with what he was starting to do with Gigi. Mm-hmm. Yep. He. The part that made me so sad, I know the ups and downs, the great feelings you have, being in the gym, seeing the progress, seeing him go to high school, seeing him go to college, you know, getting drafted in the WNBA. You know, we're obviously uh, a, a father-daughter duo that was, you know, not, not too many people had a first-round pick in the NBA and a first-round pick in the WNBA. Like, all that stuff, yeah. they're not going to get a chance to do. And that hurt. That, that part hurt me. Other than, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the other people that also was in a crash as well, but just knowing that that part of my life, I enjoyed so much. And he was a big, another big support of women's basketball sure. and WNBA and went to the games, you know? So I, I cherish these moments with Lexi and my other daughter, because, you know, again, you know, you, you just, you just never, you just never know. And, and, and I appreciate it more and more every day. That's why I try to be a girl dad more than coach dad uh, as much as I can right now. I love that. I, you know, having two daughters, I, you know, you, you know, you're a girl dad, but when I yeah. start seeing that, <laughs> yeah, you know, start yeah. seeing that it has so much meaning. It, it's exactly. fantastic. D, D I got to ask you about your time in Orlando. I know it meant a lot to you, uh, you know, Jacksonville being from Florida mm-hmm. and getting to getting to play for the Orlando Magic. Well, right. when that all came full circle for you, how, how special was that? And how much did you enjoy your time here? It was it was amazing. You know, I, the only you know, again, I, I got hurt the last day of training camp my first right. year. I was having a great mm-hmm. training camp. The funny story about that was I'll tell you two stories. The first story about that me getting hurt in training camp was it was in Jacksonville. Training camp was we had training That's camp right. in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yep. And it was the first time my parents ever seen me play in a scrimmage with the NBA team. And they were at like they were at that open scrimmage no where I tore my knee. Oh. So the first time they ever seen me like in a practice with the NBA team, they came to games, obviously, but sure, they never sure. saw me like in a practice with the players around, interaction. Hey, meet my dad, my mom, going up to block Daryl Armstrong shot, and I you know <laughs> tore my uh patella oh, tendon right off the bone. You know, it was brutal too. Like you had a huge, you were having a great camp too. Great camp. I was so excited to get home. I was killing it. And it hurt me. I mean, it really hurt me um, to not be able to to play that season. I came back in the playoffs, obviously. Right, right. uh, And had a a couple good games. You did. Milwaukee Bucks. um, But I I missed that part next year. uh, You know, didn't play a ton. Um, You know, it was funny. I remember that season. After I left, I signed a 10-day. I was in the front office. I remember. I was in my office. Yes. Remember this, George? Yeah. I was in yes. my office. And Doc was like, man, we're all hurt. Everybody's hurt. He comes up and knocks on my door. Hey, you still know all the plays. You're in state shape, right? I go, yeah, yeah, of course I do. You want to sign a 10-day? I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> I signed That's like all that 10 days. I signed two 10-days. Everybody got healthy. I went back to the front office. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. That's how that went down. That's how yes. Wow. Yes. Everybody hard. was hurt. And the doc was like, listen, why would I sign somebody outside? I got a guy that just retired two months ago, three months yeah, ago. Right. Right. You know, he's a veteran. I know him. He knows us. He works down the hall for me. 
Right, right. You know, if he doesn't play, he don't care. So, so <laughs> hey, that's important. Right? Money? Sure. Sure. I think, I think next year they changed the rule. They changed the rule that if you kind of retire, you can come back and play. <laughs> so, Jeez, uh, so that, I remember that. I think that the other funny thing, I remember that year when I signed with the Magic, I, it was home. You know, I was living in Orlando and I, I remember the press conference when Grant and Tracy had signed. So it was, you know, big, huge press conference. You got these two huge free agents. Uh, and I remember the headline in, in, in the, uh, the Orlando Sentinel. Magic signs three players to $200 million. I'm going, well, wait a minute. Grant made 98 and Tracy made 98. Like, this thing gets split three ways. Like, don't put <laughs> two players signed for 200 million and D got some money on the side. Like, I remember the headline. I'm like, wait a minute. Did three players and I signed 200 million dollars? This is not a three way split. Oh, that's so, fantastic. I remember that. I laughed. I, I told John Gable about that. I said, you know, I want my cut. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Game, exactly. Game great. Yeah. So, it was, I remember that headline like it was yesterday. That's but well, you were well, really you were really important to us though, D. Like not only not only on the court, but like you had a relationship with Tracy. That yes. I, yes, right. That I know that not only did the coaches rely on, I mean, I know I relied on it sometimes right. too. Like if I needed to get Tracy to do something, yeah. <laughs> right. and like maybe I wasn't being having so much success, I would kind of go to you and be like, hey, help me out, D. Like you gotta yeah, yeah. tell me, tell me what to do here with Tracy. Yeah, I knew I knew Tracy. Yeah, obviously I played with him I, when I got traded from the Celtics to Toronto. Tracy was a rookie. So mm -hmm. he was young. He's a Florida kid. So he kind of like, wow, you know, we got a chance, you know, to, to build a really good relationship. And, he, you know, he looked up to me as, as certain things where I helped him kind of grow into his role, understanding some of the things I learned from being with the Celtics as a rookie, kind of like, hey, just, you know, stay the course. You know, you're young. You're going to be a pretty good player. There <laughs> you go, Captain Obvious. There you go. Oh, yeah. You nailed it. And, uh, and it, 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 again, it built. And when, you know, he left, you know, and made decision, say he wanted his own team, because obviously him and Vince uh, were the one-two combination in Toronto while we were up there. He wanted his own team. He said, D, you know, man, why don't you come back home too? Like, I was a free agent. First time ever in my career as a free agent. Doc was a guy that I, I admired. He said, I need veteran guys as well. And obviously being there, um, you know, not just the on the court stuff, like, like George, you said, like, you know, I was the, the, the more of the pride for me was being a veteran guy in the, leash, in, 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 in the yeah. locker room, along with at that time, Daryl Armstrong and Bo Outlaw, all those guys from a hard and hustle team, just being there and just kind of be a, you know, just another veteran voice uh, in that locker room. When, when Tracy and Grant came, obviously Grant, you know, didn't play that year, but you know, I, I just really took pride in, in being that when I when I got back home to play in Orlando. Is that role more important now than it's ever been in the NBA with all these young guys coming in? The oh, good yeah. veterans, oh, good veterans oh. with the right advice. There's got, I mean, I, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. Udonis Haslam, he's been in the league yeah. like 75 years. Like, <laughs> right, like right. Dude, then, but they but they beg him to come back every year. They don't beg they? him to come back because he yeah. brings. There's certain things that veterans do that been there, done that, that coaches love because, you know, they can't fight every fight. They can't put out yes, every fire. Right. You need that veteran guy that has, you know, quote unquote, OG status that can say something to these young guys who get all the accolades, who take all the shots, yeah. who make a lot of the money, to let them know the truth about what's going on and right. how the players feel, 
your role and responsibility in the locker room in the community, whatever it is, those guys are very important because the league is the league is young. Like your superstar yes. guys are 19, 20, 21 right. years old. You need those veteran guys that really can talk, real talk to these guys, you know, spend time with them off the court where you don't feel like it's an assistant coach or player development guy that you spend time with on the court. But you do have a relationship with those guys, but you need those veteran guys that, you know, will, will tell you the truth and not hold back because it's for not personal reasons, not because you're a coach, because it's the betterment of the growth of your yourself as a young player uh, and you've earned that respect. Well, that's great insight, D. We, we could do this for another two or three hours, but I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be mindful of your time. I really appreciate it. It's always great. He's got nothing to do. Let's keep him on for another two. Yeah. You're right. Long, on. I know that's oh, not true. You can, this guy does everything. He's got all his I'll try, try to stay busy. I'm one sorry, thing I'm I haven't done is play golf. I haven't played golf in oh, so really? long, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to start doing that again. I was down to like almost a single digit handicap. And then I got Wow. Into the NBA front office <laughs> and no time. Like, now no it's time. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah, I thought, okay, well, time. the one thing, you know, at least we're broadcasters. We got that yeah. on him. He won the champ. He won the, he won the tournament to win the, the, the broadcaster challenge. And then yes, he has a I career, career at ESPN. He's done that too. He's done everything. Exactly. I've tried Leave to something for the rest of us, man. Leave oh, something whatever. for the rest of us. Whatever. Well, let us know when you want it. Let us know when you want to golf. You know, no, nothing All will right, make you I feel will. Nothing will make you feel better about your game than playing with us. No, no doubt about <laughs> no that. Question. No doubt. All right. All right. Appreciate it, D. As always, this podcast brought to you by Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic.